0: Welcome to Dietitians Uncorked, a podcast hosted by Kat and Kelly, two registered dietitians who co-founded Nutriving, a virtual nutrition practice. We talk all things food, nutrition, life, and of course, wine. This is a Judgment Free Zone where all foods fit
1: and all bodies are welcome. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Dietitians Uncorked. This is Kelly speaking here. Just wanted to give you a quick introduction to the absolutely fire episode that you are about to listen to. Seriously, it is so, so good. If you are a parent or hoping to become a parent one day, then keep listening. We have an expert joining us to talk about the nuance and the complexity of raising and feeding a family. In today's world, we touch on diet culture messaging terms like good versus bad and healthy versus unhealthy foods that inevitably come up and so much more. You are going to hear a candid conversation between Kat, myself, and our guest, Jennifer Anderson. Jennifer is a registered dietitian. She has a master's of science in public health from Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. In 2017, she founded Kids Eat in Color, which is a resource that helps families feed their children all the way from their first bite of solid food through picky eating and elementary aged nutrition needs. Along with her team, she is building Kids Eat in Color into the ever-growing, comprehensive learning resource that it is for millions of families. Kat and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it, so let's get into it. Awesome. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Kat and I are so excited to have you. We have been fangirling over your content and we... I just am so excited you're here and that our listeners can hear you speak about how you help parents and children and families. We're going to touch on a lot of stuff today, Um, but just thank you so much for joining. We're really excited. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Well, let's just kind of like open it up in general. Tell our listeners, they heard a little bit of intro before this, but kind of tell our listeners what you're doing right now with Kids Eat in Color. What are some of the, you know, hot topics in terms of your conversations with clients and customers? Just kind of like, give us the dish right now.
2: Sure. So Kids Eat in Color is a resource for families from their baby's first bite all the way through picky eating and into elementary education, right? And it started with me Struggling feeding my own kids, still struggling feeding my own kids, <laughs> living this feeding children thing day in, day out. And it's been so amazing to see that expand as parents have needed more help from um, you know specialists like our psychologist or our occupational therapists or our child development specialist. And so to see the expansion has been amazing. And some of the things that I've really seen over the past couple of years in terms of what parents are interested in, um, you know, they vary oddly. Like this year, ADHD is a huge interest of parents, more so than any of the past five mm. years. Um, and also children's relationship with food so huge. As parents have become more interested in improving their own relationship with food and getting out of diet culture, they don't want to pass on diet culture to their kids. But I also observe a lot of confusion between what it looks like for a parent to step out of diet culture and what it Mm -hmm. looks like for a child to be raised with a good relationship with food. And picky eating, you know, the day in, day out grind of feeding a person or people six times a day, it it wears on you. It's hard. I had my child tell me the other day, mommy, when you put a straw in, I don't want it. But then the next day, if you don't put a straw in, I want it. And that's why I'm not drinking my milk. (laughs) I was like, okay. You know, they're articulating what's going on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, that explains my gray hairs. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Way to explain what you need. Um, That, okay. So I I have to say for, um, we typically work with adults. We're not really working with children. However, um, we're at the time of life. I think I have a lot of close friends who have uh children and I just I wanna say I, I absolutely love your content. I absolutely love how you present the humanity around eating. I mean it's just uh I think in, in a world where you have a lot of people telling you what to do and how you should do it. And in the profession of nutrition, it's like a compounding effect of making moms feel guilty for, uh, doing or not doing certain things. So from the lens of somebody that you, you said you started doing this as a mom, you know, just trying to, you personally doing how, how much has this influenced really how you see other moms in general, from the perspective, like being a mom and also being in
2: this professionally. Sure. I think it really stemmed from my personal experience having kids, which was mm-hmm. not easy. So yeah. I have my first child around nine months. The pediatrician says he's not gaining weight. I'm thinking, doesn't he know I'm a dietitian? <laughs> <laughs> he's, not, he's not supposed to have eating issues. Yeah. and <laughs> you know, My second child was a picky eater. And before I knew it, feeding my kids was very complicated, more complicated than I really had tools to deal with, compounded by the fact that I had depression after I had my kids. And so I didn't have a lot of capacity. I was working full time. My husband was doing his PhD full time. I have these two children. I'm totally overwhelmed. And I'm not working at 100% myself. And I'm, you know, there's this one day I'm standing in my kitchen, I'm making these cute little lunches for my three-year-old to take to preschool so he maybe will eat while he was there. And I thought, you know what, it can't be the only parent struggling. And so from the very first day of my Instagram account, which is where, you know, it all started... I never, ever for a moment forget what it's like to not have capacity for what it's mm. like to not get up in the morning and think, how am I possibly going to get through this day? How am I possibly going to get through feeding my child? How am I going to do this? That that person, that moment is always with me. And so when I'm talking to parents, I'm not thinking, hey, what, what is my ideal best for you? I'm thinking, hey what are you dealing with today and how can I help? Yeah, And I feel like that's, you get on Instagram, you try to learn how to feed your child from Instagram and next thing you know, you feel like a crappy person. I mean, yeah. I mm-hmm. can't even follow a lot of accounts because it stresses me out. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, oh my God. And like, I experienced this as an adult trying to feed myself, like I can't even imagine what it would be like one step further when you're responsible for protecting, nurturing, raising a child, um, what a, what a space and and how amazing it is to have you in the space like this, because I think so many people listening can relate and not only can relate, but feel like, oh, thank God she's a professional, and she like gets yeah. it though so this is really difficult.
2: I never want a parent to walk away and feel worse about themselves any more than social media. It just (laughs) just demands, right? Mm -hmm. But I I deeply believe that every parent is successful today, right now, whatever is happening, Mm -hmm. and they deserve to feel successful. Mm -hmm. And also every parent, should they want to make some changes, should be given the opportunity and the tools that they need to make those changes.
1: That is such a refreshing perspective. And I, so I initially found your account because I was working in a setting where I was working with parents and children often, you know, both in the same room and I'll just keep it brief and say it wasn't the best fit for me. You know, some of the messaging did not align with, you know, professionally how I see Mm -hmm. things, even personally how I see things. So I was looking for resources to do my job in a way that made me feel better, you know, just like was more in line with, with my thinking. And and that's how I found your account. And through that experience of working with families, you know, a lot of times they would tell me some of the things, the messages they would receive from healthcare providers, you know, family, friends, just like all these competing messages. And so I'm curious from your perspective, Have there been times where, you know, your clients are sharing with you like, oh, my doctor told me X, Y, Z, and you're saying this and like those two things, you know, like they're not able to make sense of the different messages. Can you speak to any experiences
2: like that? Sure. So in terms of Kids in Color, I don't work with people one-on-one. Everything is done in kind of the group courses and social media communities. But I have received so many direct messages from parents who've said, my pediatrician told me that my child is fat and they need to go on a diet to lose weight. I've heard that from parents of one-year-olds, two-year-olds, three-year-olds, 11-year-olds, 8-year-olds, every age. And and at their gut level, they're thinking, my child is two. I'm supposed to be putting them on a diet? This doesn't make sense. And, you know, as an aside, it doesn't make sense. Right. <laughs> That's not even evidence-based Spoiler recommendation. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, so people do, they hear all these messages, they hear diet culture messages, they don't recognize them as that. So then when they see an issue with their child, um, they're making those recommend, they're, they're thinking, oh, I, I, maybe I do need to reduce carbs for my child, or I do need to, um, you know, feed them more water. I know we're going to talk about water versus food later, but, um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of, ways that diet culture has kind of seeped in, even to pediatricians who don't have in-depth mm-hmm. training in feeding children. Um, it doesn't mean they don't have the basics or they haven't educated themselves, but many of them don't. And so it just kind of trickles down. And so when they see, hey, you just exceeded the 85th percentile you know, BMI for a child, and that's a red flag, and I need to note that on your chart, and also, you need to reduce carbs for your child, right? And so there are these conflicting messages. and parents are kind of at the crossroads mm-hmm. of it where they're being you know they're being pulled in all these directions. They don't know which way to go. and i I feel I feel for all of us. <laughs> it's tricky. yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah, jeez. yeah, that is tricky. I love that there's an aspect of uh, sort of community though, that you offer in this space. Because I think if we think about eating, we often, uh, whether you're feeding a child or like a family, you're often eating in uh, conjunction with other people and having this in a context where there are more people talking about the same experience or similar experience. And I can imagine getting that message of, I need to restrict, but I also need to nourish my child so it continues to grow and meet the mark. So it's like oh, two yeah up- opposing things. Talk about the, um, the, the setting that you provide where you are having, um, maybe, uh, a little bit more of a shared experience or community aspect, uh, to this, which I think brilliant, brilliant, uh, way of kind of addressing it.
2: What I love about it too, is it reminds parents that it's complicated. Mm -hmm. There are no easy answers. I, um, recently, Put a put something up in my Instagram stories that just showed that my kids had gotten Halloween candy really early, and we were saying, "Hey, you can have one piece of candy with your afternoon snack." Um, now, while that you know may not work for an adult who you know maybe is in a place where they're wanting to just kind of see if they want more, it want less, or that sort of thing, based on my context and what I know about my children and what is going on in my family at this time, that was a great. Fit to have that 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 recommendation, um, and my children have many many experiences where they can eat as much of as, as they want of any food, and they also have many experiences where any food, <laughs> from oranges to butter to milk to you name the food, is restricted. Right, because that's our life, right? Life is full of many different experiences. So anyway, I put this on Instagram and I received a very direct message from a parent who said, I see that you are restricting your child to have one, you know, having one piece of candy. They're going to be obsessed with candy. They're blah, 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 blah. And, and I thought, Well, first of all, I've probably read a lot more papers on this than you. (laughs) (laughs) And I know (laughs) I I understand. I understand that you believe this. Mm -hmm. And you probably also don't know because your kids aren't older that other people are going to use candy as a reward for your children. And it's already going to mess your kid's relationship with candy up. There's there's all sorts of things. You don't understand my kid's health. You don't understand what's going on in their life. You don't understand what's going on in our life. And there are going to be times where you might choose to restrict a food. I don't let my children eat as many prunes as they want. Just saying. <laughs> so, um, so there's these, there's these like really, really practical things. I'm not gonna let my child eat as much, you know, my child who's very sensitive to chocolate. Not gonna let him eat as much as he wants at eight o'clock at night, you know. So there's these, these practical things that we have to think about as parents, where we kind of hear these messages: you can never restrict, you can never set boundaries with your kids. You always have to, um, you know. Honor your child's hunger in terms of like feeding them whenever they want. There's all these things, and some of them are are wrong. No, you shouldn't let your child eat all day every day. That's actually not even a best practice. Um, And there may be times where you say no, I'm not going to restrict the amount of cookies that you eat. Um, And there may be other times where you say yes, I am going to restrict the amount of cookies that you eat. Mm -hmm. But what I love about the communities is parents are sharing their stories and they're seeing, mm-hmm. oh, this person is doing something different than me. They're not always respectful about it. <laughs> it is the internet after all. Um, I love, I love the honesty. Place. I love it. Yeah. But the reality is they're seeing it. They're seeing someone say, I don't have money for that expensive food. Why do I feel guilty for not buying it? They're seeing somebody who's like, hey, school lunches saved me uh, when I was growing up, and somebody else is saying something bad about it, they're seeing someone say, "Hey I used to be I used to have an eating disorder and I have gotten out of that and I'm feeding my kids as many cookies as they want. It's the best thing that ever happened and they're looking at somebody else um, you know where the the parent is like, "Hey, my child has type 1 diabetes, and I have to measure everything and I have to count everything and so the more we understand the complexity of mm. the the reality that we live in, the more that we begin to have, ideally a little bit more nuance to our understanding about our own lives and people's lives around us and hopefully be more respectful and kind to those around us.
0: Mm. I think everybody needs to hear that Uh, because you're speaking to something uh, so important when it comes to the nuance that exists around food. I mean, around how we eat, it's so incredibly personal. And there are so many factors that we don't understand and we don't see. And so it's even from a profoundly evidence-based approach, there's nuance to it. And it's, gosh, thank you so much for sharing that. That was,
1: yes. Mm -hmm. I think the flexibility, Kat and I have talked about this a bunch of times on previous episodes, but also just with our clients, like who mostly are adults, as Kat said before, but having like being able to be flexible and be okay, you know, with whatever outcome lands that day. I think that is a really crucial part of simply taking care of ourselves, feeding ourselves, feeding other people, like the ability to be flexible and to, to deal with, you know, having to shift gears that's really valuable because so many times people might get stuck, you know, in a certain routine or a certain pattern and then the guilt or the shame or, you know, the, the upset that occurs when that pattern can't be maintained. Like that stress is to me so much worse than, you know, anything else that could come about. And watching people try to navigate that, I think as dieticians, you know, we, if you're doing one-on-one, or even if you're doing group, like you often have more time with a client or, or a patient than, you know, a pediatrician who's talking to their patient for five or 10 minutes. And there's just not time, you know, to talk through information like that. And so I think for our, our listeners, you know, if you're struggling with anything around what we're talking about with, like simply kind of evaluating what's working and what's not working and, you know, thinking about how can I be more flexible, you know, how can I find a community where people are sharing, you know, going through similar things and sharing experiences, like all of those instances, I think really help us like expand our, you know, our view and find things that work for you, which is always going to change whether you have kids or not, you know, you're going to go through different stages of life. And the same thing that worked five years ago may not work now. So true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Jennifer, I'm curious uh, to hear if there are any current trends, you kind of talked a little bit about this in the very beginning, but if there are any current trends from diet culture or like even just food trends right now that you are seeing parents feeling pressure about when it comes to feeding their own kids, that might be, if you don't have an answer, that's
2: fine. But if, if I'm I'm curious if
0: you're finding something,
2: of course there, I mean, You name it, the more, quote, research that comes out, the more it gets just dumped onto parents, especially mothers, um, as if because there is some study that showed a thing that now your child is going to be messed up because you didn't do a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we are, as parents, we're constantly being bombarded with the idea that we could have made it so that our kid isn't messed up. Um, even though they're human, and we're human, and therefore, they're going to grow up to be human. um, Mm -hmm. Suddenly, you know, our kid wouldn't have been a picky eater if we had done XYZ. Our child wouldn't have uh, uh, a reading issue if we had only done XYZ. There's, there is so big of a, there's, there's just such a big push for prevention, which I understand. And, in some ways it's fine. But as a parent who got a master's in public health, which is the study of everything that is wrong with the health of Mm -hmm. everybody in the (laughs) country and everything that we're doing wrong and everything that we want to tell people to do right, I understand the crushing weight of recommendations. And, you know, I had my, my older child is nine now. So this was you know, 10 years ago that I was under a crushing weight of recommendations, just starting out as a parent. And now there are even more. There's even more recommendations. And the one that I feel is really, really weighing parents down at a time that they don't need to be weighed down is Mm. the methods of beginning those first foods with babies. Am I gonna do baby-led weaning? Mm -hmm. Am I gonna do puree feeding? The incredible amount of pressure that is being put on parents around baby led weaning and preventing picky eating is just crushing to so many people Mm. because they're being told if you do this, you're going to, you're going to prevent picky eating in your child. One, that's not what the research shows. That's not what any baby led weaning research shows. It does show that babies who are are, you know, started solids on that method will have less, uh, could, (laughs) will, they might, might have less, um, Mm -hmm. picky eating less, not none. They Mm. might have less. Um, or it might start a little later or they may eat a few more foods or things like this, but What I wonder is like, are you measuring like the stress levels of these parents who are having to make these decisions? I have more parents come to me who say, I felt like an awful parent because I have a picky eater. And if I just done baby led weaning, I would have not had a picky eater or even better. I did everything right. I did all the picky eating. I did all the baby led weaning. I did it all. And my child is an extreme picky eater. Just imagine the guilt that you would experience Mm -hmm. if you had quote done everything right. And then you still ended up with something that people have promised you, you would not get. And so I do feel like this trend in feeding children to do it the right way, the best way, mm-hmm. the um, people say things like, oh, this is an evidence-based practice. I'm like, yeah, but so is puree feeding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, like, we're, we're just talking about like, evidence. Yeah. There's evidence for all of these. And guess what? Like everybody's still alive now who's here. (laughs) So, um, so anyway, there's there, this is a huge, this trend is huge. It is stressing parents out. It is putting an incredible burden on them at a time where they could be really enjoying feeding their babies solid foods. Um, Yeah. yeah, there's some best practices. Yes. There's nothing wrong with baby led weaning as long as you're not judging the parents we were not doing it, which is what I found, what is what I experienced in just a huge way. The amount of judgment from parents who were doing it really turned me off to the whole thing. Um, so anyway, I could, I could talk about this at length and I kind of already have, but I think <laughs> the reality is we're putting too many, we're putting too much pressure on parents. And instead of we offer them the basic principles. Here's how we do responsive feeding with kids. These are really important things, whether you're doing baby led weaning, we're using what we call pureed table foods that kids eat in color, because we don't want people to just think, hey, this is just a puree thing. No, it's pureed table foods, bring that baby to the table. Um, so that's how we talk about it. But the more that we just give parents the basics and give them tools, hey, if you wanna do baby led weaning, that's great, but if you need to change your mind, that's also great more that we can give parents that the comfort of options and success with how things are going, the less stress that we have. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, man, neither Kat or I have kids, but as Kat said, we, you know, have many friends and family members who have kids. And so I've definitely been parts of, you know, these conversations and being a dietitian. you know, everyone's always like, So what do you think, you know, and it's, it's true. I mean, I think in in the realm of nutrition in general, there's always that pressure to like do the next new thing, right? Follow this or make sure you're eating that make sure you're not doing this to, you know, find your, your best self or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's about finding what works for you in that stage of life, whatever that looks like for you. And there are always options. Like there's not, there will never be one perfect answer that applies to everyone. Like that's just not, it's not realistic.
0: Oh my goodness. And I can take what you're, you're talking about to adults. I mean, I have clients who are in their forties who are like, I ate all my vegetables. I'm doing just chicken for the past decade. I've only eaten chicken because I, you know, or, or fish or something because I was told this is the best way. I cut out carbs and now I am at a weight that I'm unhappy about. Um, I have, uh, you know, high blood pressure whatever. And sure, preventative care and, and doing best practices, as you just said, or even, you know, clinging on to evidence based practices does not always guarantee the success that we think health looks like in that life stage or life cycle. Um, So thinking about the stress that all of this causes, it's almost like we're not even taking stress into account. And I can't imagine as a mom where you're functioning often with lack of sleep. Often with a pressure from work to be incredibly dedicated there, and also be a full time mom, incredibly dedicated to your family, and and on top of that, I I can't imagine you as a registered dietitian. There's this expectation that registered dietitians eat perfectly all the time. Um, I don't even know what that means, but <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. Oh, That's yeah. a societal <laughs> pressure.
2: I think we all know what that.
0: Means. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so. What what a beautiful way of looking, again, at looking at eating at all stages of life from such a human perspective, because we all eat differently. Cultures dictate how we approach food differently. And there's, there's beautiful ways of achieving nourishment and health in, in, in whatever, whatever journey that looks like. Um, it doesn't look the same for everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to transition us a little bit. Jennifer, we Kat and I mostly work with adults, as we said, and you know, many times in our sessions it might come up, you know, things that happened in an adult's childhood. So comments from, you know, parents or family members about the way their body looks or, you know, how much they're eating or what they're choosing to eating like some of these experiences really stick with people and they end up bringing that to our nutrition counseling sessions. So I'm very interested in hearing your perspective just in general, you know, speaking to how a parent, I guess we can break it down in two ways, how a parent speaks about a child's body and a child's eating habits and how that affects the child, as well as how the parent speaks about their own body and their own Eating habits and how that will ultimately affect the child—that's
2: a big question. So feel free to take sure. it wherever Very you are. Sure, easy question <laughs> for you <to> just. <laughs> so I mean, if we if let's take the easy one first, which is how do you talk about your own body? Well, first of all, you don't talk about your weight. You don't weigh yourself in front of your child, and you don't say anything bad about your body. Maybe easier said than done for some people, but those are the those are the ground rules. Like, just don't do it. Mm-hmm. If you've got your kid there, do not do that. Um, this is something recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics, by you know any number of anybody who works with kids and eating that sort of thing, because we know that parents, especially moms, like I don't know, what it all comes back to the mom. Um, <laughs> parents, so unfair. Yeah, I know. Right? Parents modeling has such a huge impact on children. Um, one of the things that I speak about a lot is how to talk to kids about nutrition and how we can help kids understand that food does things in their body and food is so good for us. And it's... um it's it's essential for us, right? But how do we talk about healthy foods versus unhealthy foods? That's how kids are being presented with this information and it doesn't have any nuance and mm-hmm. nor is it, I mean, it's meaningless to even say that. And so I talk a lot about and I talk to groups about, you know, how do we, how do we talk to kids? And mm-hmm. um, part of that is our methods of nutrition education have really focused on good food, bad food, this sort of black and white sort of thing. And the problem with that is the world has shifted. Diet culture has seeped in and our nutrition education methods have not taken into account the fact that um, children are now have body dissatisfaction in preschool. So mm-hmm. there's been a lot of different studies on body dissatisfaction among preschool boys and girls. And the the research is kind of all over the place in terms of how they report it. But based on reviews, like twenty to seventy percent of preschoolers have body dissatisfaction. It's probably somewhere in the middle, but even if it's 20%, that's still too high. Yeah. That's still way too much. Way too much. So, so we're we're coming into these. These situations where what we're saying to kids is not matching up what they need, which is something that's not going to give them a messed up relationship with food. And they're looking back to their parents, to their moms. How is the mom talking about their, their body? How are, as the mom, you know, like saying things about food going to their, you know... But or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> like all mm-hmm. sorts of things like that, for a lack of a more refined term. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have two boys, stereotypical boys who, like you know, are making gross jokes all the time. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, you know what parents say is so important. So you just gotta not, not do it. Period. Like yeah. that's just yeah. you gotta not do it. Talk to your, uh, talk to your partner. If there's another parent in the house, you're like, nope it has to stop because kids will, will do that. We have a scale. We keep it in the closet. We call it the luggage scale. You know, my husband and I don't weigh ourselves. It's not in the bathroom. We bring it out to weigh the luggage. And every once in a while, kids will pull it out to see how much they've grown. Um, you know, but it's a very positive thing. And it's just not part of our, our family culture to talk about weight and and that sort of thing. Beyond like, you know, how much do you have to weigh before your car seat? can go away, mm-hmm. you can have a booster seat, you, you know, can go on this <laughs> these roller practical coaster. aspects. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, to when, you know, kind of transitioning into how do we talk to kids about food, this is something that our entire specialist team kind of approaches, um, from the psychologist to the child development specialist to the even the occupational therapist, you know, we really believe that if we want kids to learn and be able to internalize it and then do something, with information. We can't say things like this is healthy and unhealthy. It doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And so instead, if we can say things like, hey, red foods help your heart, you know, I don't have to get into the fact that lycopene makes watermelon red and that's what helps your heart. Like, I don't have to get into that, but I can just tell a three-year-old, you know, red foods are going to help your heart. And all of a sudden they, they make this connection. Oh, I'm eating because my body needs these things. And we don't have to bring in negative education. Like we don't have to tell them if you only eat candy, your teeth are going to rot and fall out and you're going to die of malnutrition. We do not have to tell a three-year-old that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say you're eating poison. We could just say, Hey, this is candy and it's fun. Period. Like the That's all we have to say. And then, you know, as they get older, they ask more in-depth questions and other friends tell them, hey, you're eating poison because that's candy. And you have to have these nuanced conversations with kids. Sure, sure. Um, But you can ease into it. It doesn't have to start at age three and you don't have to be telling them there's like good foods and bad foods because it's just, it's too simplistic and it's not helpful. And it's not setting them up to live in this kind of diet culture world. Uh,
0: what a profound thing to do to give a child the tools to understand that if food has a connection to an organ system, doesn't necessarily need to be complex at all, but to say, this is supporting your heart. This is supporting your vision. It helps your tummy as simple as that. It helps your digestion. It helps you feel better. It helps you get full. What a wonderful and beautiful way of giving an empowerment, which I think over time, it turns to trust. You trust your food to support mm-hmm. you. And if you hear things like this will kill you or it's poison or it's toxic, which we hear all the time, you have a home-based education already that has nurtured some trust with your food that you can come back to and say, you know, is it really toxic? Am I going to, are my teeth really going to fall out? Um, what a wonderful way of implementing that with children. I I did not grow up with anything like that. And so just hearing that is, uh, in looking through your account, it, I almost felt like the sense of ease of like, oh, thank God this exists. Because <laughs> people need it.
1: Yeah. It's amazing how many people you have been able to reach. When did you start uh, Kids Eating Color? Um,
2: January of 2017. Wow. wow. It's been a while. Yeah. But
1: also like not people, because that's, I mean, five years and think of how many lives you have touched and changed. I mean, I, I look up to you so much and I am so glad that we could have you on the podcast. I am so glad that people can continue to hear your message because as we've talked about, there's so many messages out there and it's really important that, you know, people can find what resonates with them and what makes them feel good and what makes them feel successful because everyone deserves that, you know?
2: Yeah, I, no. d- I totally agree. And I, I just love to always come back to this idea that like, if you're a parent, if you're an adult, you're doing good. You're doing good today. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care. I don't care if your child ate fast food, three meals a day for the entire past week. You're doing great. You did that for mm-hmm. a reason. And maybe mm-hmm. you're happy with that, and that's also great, and I'm totally supportive. And maybe you're like, you know, I want to see less fast food. I can be totally supportive, of it and I give you a whole toolkit, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Here's how you make eggs for dinner, and that's faster than fast food. Um, but I think, I think it's so important to kind of, you know, we, our entire team, just believe so hearted, wholeheartedly in the success of the families in our community. And yet we Mm -hmm. also love to provide people with those those resources. Like, we have a lot of parents come to us who say, I'm recovering from an eating disorder myself, or I'm stepping out of diet culture myself, and I don't want to raise my kids in this. And Mm -hmm. that's where we say, okay, here's our child and the toddler feeding course. You can kind of learn the basics of empowering your child to understand their body and to trust themselves and that sort of thing, but also own your role as the parent, because it can be a tricky balance, you know, and some parents intuitively know kind of how to strike this balance. And then there's plenty of us, myself included, who, you know, started out totally clueless and we're like, Oh, trial and error, got to figure this out. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we just love to give parents those tools so that you do feel empowered if you do decide you want to, change something up if there's a pain point where you're like oh my gosh this is driving me crazy and I have to make a change in my life Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think we've all been there um (laughs) then we like to be there for parents at that moment as well yeah I love
0: that I love that so as we were wrapping up tell us um I know you talk about you have a team so tell us a little bit about um who's on your team um in a little bit of the role and if there's anyone listening how can they find you um to find out more about
2: your services Sure. So we do have a team. We have a health and development team with registered dietitians and our weaning and infant feeding specialist, um, you know, psychologists, occupational therapists. I always forget because the team, (laughs) it's so much fun. (laughs) It's It's so cool to see. And, And so we have an amazing learning resource center online where you can go if you're looking for iron foods for babies or you're looking for, um, you know, we're working on our ADHD article for all the parents who are like, ah, I need some help with this. Or you want to know, hey, I need a utensil for my baby. What what are my options? You can look for it there. And we are building the most comprehensive resource center for parents so that they can find evidence-based information that they can trust that's trustworthy and evidence-based but also non-judgmental and friendly. And so that is kind of who we are. And then, you know, we have courses for parents who have extreme picky eaters or mild picky eaters, or, you know, you're just starting out and you're like, I don't know how to deal with this picky toddler. <laughs> Give me some of the basics. So, you know, there's that and the recipes and the, all, all the fun stuff, but, um, you can find us on social media, Instagram, kids eating in Color kidsinkcolor.com, all the fun things. And we have so many free resources for parents, the picky eater guides and, um, so many other things. So we just love for parents to think of us as the go-to resource that they can come to and still feel good about themselves regardless of what they're doing. (laughs) Hells yeah.
0: I love it. Um, I, I will let, we have a question that we ask most of our, um, podcast host oh, yeah. uh, or guest um which I'll let Kelly do that um but I will also do a little plug in if you're like if there's like an inner child that needs some like healing around this like go to her Instagram account <laughs> because it's just it's wonderful to look at it feels refreshing it gives me hope for the future so if if you're like me an adult you're like oh this feels good you can, you can also participate even if you're not a parent, I think it's yeah. a good
1: thing to, to go to <laughs> lots of asylum. applicable lessons for sure. Um, well, we'll wrap up with a final question. It's not a hard one, but we would love to know the past, you know, six months, year, whatever it is, what is one of like your most favorite things that you've eaten that just like you remember it fondly, just something delicious that you had recently?
2: Oh my gosh. I did have something recently. And I was like, oh my gosh, food can be like this. <laughs> now I'm trying to think of what it was. <laughs> There's actually two meals recently. Well, I'll have to go back to the other one that was closer to a year ago. I um, went to this restaurant with somebody. She had found it. I Gluten has not been agreeing with my system for the past couple of years. So it's hard to find a place that has good food that's gluten-free. And um, there was this pistachio-encrusted chicken parmesan thing and I was sitting there eating it and I was like I forgot what it was like <laughs> to be a human like this <laughs> <laughs> it was so good it was it was like a life-altering experience yes. I was like I have not eaten something this delicious for so long we were just sitting there thinking wow <laughs> so it makes you feel alive so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it did it really did
1: oh that's great that's amazing that's amazing. <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us it was yeah. so helpful to to have you on and i'm really glad that our listeners can can hear your perspective and now they know where to find you you know should they want to explore more resources with you absolutely thanks yeah so and much we will of course yeah we'll
0: add some uh, some of your links and stuff on our show notes as well so that people can find it easily yes.
2: thanks all right, yeah. friends. thank you so yep. much we'll catch
1: you next time we'll see ya <laughs> bye bye